What's up guys? Welcome to the next installment of our mini-series. Today we are focusing on the Seattle Seahawks. Last year they finished in the NFC West second in their division at 11-5. A couple games behind the Super Bowl losers, San Francisco 49ers. In the playoffs they beat Philadelphia in the wildcard round 17-9. And then they fell to Green Bay in the divisional playoffs 28-23. So they were outed by Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Today we're going to talk about their uh, fantasy relevancy. As far as their quarterback room goes, obviously they got Russell Wilson there, one of the most exciting, dynamic players in the league. I got him projected out at about 3,800 passing yards. I might actually bump that up a little bit too. I think they're, I think their passing game is going to be better this year. Uh, 33 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. He's very careful with the ball. 450 yards rushing and another four touchdowns on the ground. He's over a 400-yard mark for me, uh, for or 400-point mark for me with 405 points well like i said i might bump up his yardage so that's going to go up a little bit um behind them they got geno smith there they uh they got anthony gordon who is a rookie coming in this year undrafted rookie so um, not really any threat to take russell wilson's job there if russell does go down for whatever reason geno he has started uh for the jets in this league but it's i mean the offense obviously is going to take a major hit um, but yeah, I mean, this is Russell's team. It's been Russell's team. He's, I'm excited about this team overall as a whole. And I can't wait to talk about, uh, can't wait to talk about the receivers, especially. Yeah. I mean, I'll say in terms of Geno Smith and Anthony Gordon, that if Russell Wilson was to go down, I would be frightened to see what this offense looks like. So let's just hope that doesn't actually as a Rams fan, maybe I do want that to happen. But uh, from an NFL fan standpoint, that would be terrible. But Russell Wilson, I think, is finally getting the respect he deserves. And I talked a little bit about Deshaun Watson in our last episode. And I think Deshaun Watson's pretty disrespected. And I kind of put him in that Russell Wilson territory where people coming into the league think of them as these good running quarterbacks. But, I mean, these are elite passers as well. So, Russell Wilson is finally kind of respected in the NFL so and in fantasy leagues, finally. I remember him being undervalued year after year, and when you look at it, I mean, he's one of the most consistent QBs that you can find in fantasy. So I went back, he uh, entered the league in 2012, and uh, let me go through his fantasy finishes because it's kind of insane. I thought it would be decent, but it's even better than I would have imagined. <laughs> so his rookie season, he was QB 11, so he was already a QB 1. Then he was 8 3, 3, 11, 1, 9, and 4. So his entire career, he's been a QB1 in 12-team leagues every single season. So you can't beat that consistency. That's eight seasons of QB1 play, and that's incredible. He's only 21, or 21, wow, he uh, went backwards there. Good for him, wow. He's uh, 31 now. For some reason, I feel like Geno Smith's been in the league longer than him, but Geno's only 29, so I thought that was interesting. But uh, Russell Wilson is 31 now. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and for fantasy, he's one of the most accurate. He runs the ball. There's really nothing you can hate. I do think it's interesting right now. His ADP sits at QB3, and uh, you know you're really paying for him at his peak there. And I think this is really interchangeable at the top, whether you want to put Dak or Deshaun Watson, you know, pick your favorite third quarterback and insert name here, Kyler Murray. But uh, if you're looking for consistency and if you want to guarantee one of those guys is going to be a QB one this year, Russell Wilson is the only one that's done it year in and year out. 
I will say my only concern with them is that offensive line has been pitiful for a few years now. They're one of the worst units in the league, but he's been so mobile and he throws really well under pressure. So it's not necessarily a huge knock, but he's kind of been running for the last eight years and that's not going to change this season. All right, moving on to the running backs. Um, Seattle, when you think of Seattle, and it's definitely changed over the past couple of years, but when you think of Seattle of years past, it's been strong run game and really strong defense, and it's a little it's a little different. Um, they still have a, a semi-strong run game. They got a bunch of names actually on this list that um, not every one of them are going to be fantasy relevant, but if you find out that one's starting on any given week, you might want to put them into your lineup. Uh, Chris Carson seems to be the the main guy there. Uh, they went in and brought in Carlos Hyde, um, who had a thousand yard season last year with the Houston Texans. Uh, they brought in Carlos Hyde because Rashad Penny looks like he's starting the year on the pup list. Um, former first round pick that he just hasn't been able to just stay healthy and stay on the field. Uh, and then they went out and drafted DJ Dallas this year in the fourth round. So he's another guy that at least for the first six weeks of the season, he might see some time with Rashad Penny out. Um, and then when Penny comes back, we'll see what kind of action DJ Dallas gets. He's, he's a very popular later round rookie uh, pick in rookie drafts, dynasty drafts. But let's talk about these main two guys, Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde, because uh, those are, those are going to be the two guys taking a bulk of this uh, workload back there. I've said this a few times about Chris Carson, but for whatever reason, every season I say I don't want Chris Carson, and then he comes out and he finishes as either an RB1 or a high-end RB2, and you really can't deny the production. And this team you mentioned, they've been known for being run-heavy. They still are. Uh, they were third in rush attempts last year. They were 24th in pass attempts, but that 24th in pass attempts, that's come up significantly over the past few seasons. I mean, they used to be bottom three almost every single year, five years ago. So uh, they've continued to rise in that category, and I would expect them to probably fall within the top 20 or even middle of the pack this season. But Chris Carson right now going off the board as a 17th running back. You know, a lot of people, you can't talk about Chris Carson without bringing up the injury history. And when you look at the medical reports, he does have that hip injury. He fractured his hip last season. That's a little concerning for a running back. We've seen hip injuries really derail running back's career. So we'll see how he recovers from that. But even more so, I think I'm a little concerned about Carlos Hyde because if there's one thing Chris Carson has always had, it's those goal line touches. And he very consistently... He scored a very uh, solid number of touchdowns, I'll say. And Carlos Hyde is 230 pounds. He's a big boy, and he's going to get some goal line work. And uh, they probably learned from Marshawn Lynch that you run the ball. So I would expect Carlos Hyde to take some touches at the goal line. And I know Rashad Penny's probably going to start off on the pup list, but I like Rashad Penny still. And even though he hasn't been able to stay on the field, he's one of those guys, he's explosive. Every time he touches the ball in his limited number of games played in his career, he's a, he looks really good. And he looks like a starting caliber running back in this league. And he's more explosive and he's a different kind of back than Hyde or Chris Carson. So I do think he'll have a role when he is healthy, but uh, I'm not really drafting Hyde or Penny because I don't trust their volume. And DJ Dallas, who you also mentioned, I would definitely take a stab at him in dynasty leagues. Uh, I've seen him rise up. He was barely being drafted in a lot of rookie drafts, and I saw him go as high as the late second in a few. I'd probably be more comfortable in the third round of rookie drafts, but 
I like him for Dynasty because there's a lot of question marks at the top of this depth chart. Even if Chris Carson has a dominating season this year, realistically, he's not going to have another five years of dominance. So, you know, I think we're starting to see the end of Chris Carson here with his injuries. Carlos Hyde is going to be 30 by the time the season starts, or he turns 30 during the season. So once again, usually running backs aren't hitting their peak at 30. So he's probably not a long-term answer either. Rashad Penny, who knows? He's had tons of injuries, hasn't stayed on the field. So you could see in a year or two from now, DJ Dallas taking over this backfield. So he's a really intriguing stash to me. And uh, I guess this backfield has a lot of question marks to me. For me, if you're trusting Chris Carson as your RB2, he could provide RB2 value. But I think you're taking a chance there, especially with all these other names in the backfield. What do you think about, and we don't normally do anything like this, but uh, it just came to my head right now. So what do you think oh about boy. what do you think about uh, going into next year's draft and saying like uh, Travis Etienne falls into the mid to late 20s and Seattle's there, they pick him? Yeah, I mean, I've talked about Travis Etienne. Well, I haven't talked about him in depth, but I've brought up his name. I've loved him since the first time I saw him at Clemson. I remember watching him a few years ago, and I said, who is that guy? I think he was only a freshman, but I've I've really liked him ever since he's uh, been in Clemson. So I think he's going to be a, a top-end, top-five running back in this league. So for the Seahawks, they're one of those teams where I think it would maybe make sense. It depends who else is on the board for them. But I mentioned it. This offensive line is terrible, and I think that's still something that they need to address long-term. So I don't think running backs are number one need, but I think ETN's the kind of guy that can change your backfield for years to come so if he fell to the right spot i think that would be smart on their part all right and then uh yeah i mean you already mentioned the offensive line a couple times what's uh what are they ranked at so last season they finished ranked 27th according to pro football focus heading into this season they have them 28th so right around the same spot Dwayne Brown's the big name there at left tackle. He ranked 13th among all tackles last season, so top end. But everybody else graded very much below with the average at their position. A lot of them anywhere from 30 to 47 at their position for the season. So this is a line that was, I mean, I've mentioned terrible a few times, but they really were. So in order for them to make a jump, they'd have to rely on some of their younger guys to uh, really make drastic improvements. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, they didn't have. They didn't have a second round pick. With their first round pick, they went defense. But with their third round pick, they went on the offensive line. So they did try to address it a little bit. We'll see. We'll see what happens with uh, Damian Lewis there if he finds his way into the starting role on that team. Uh, moving into the wide receivers, um, it's an exciting group. I mean, you're you got your top two guys. I mean, outside of those two, it's really not exciting. So I guess it's not that exciting, but. Um, they have uh, it's it's two very exciting guys between Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. They bring in Philip Dorsett. They got David Moore, who's been okay. He hasn't. I mean, he really hasn't turned any heads. But out in Seattle, if you're a Seattle fan and and you're watching their games, you know who this guy is. He's been on the field a little bit for them. Um, they're they've been talking about bringing back josh gordon they've been talking about bringing in antonio brown so i mean between now and when the season starts might we see um another name or two on that roster antonio brown obviously is would have to serve an eight game suspension uh josh gordon is probably looking at suspension too but if they bring these guys in have them serve their suspensions by the mid-season point looking to make a run for the 
potentially a Super Bowl, they could have these guys on the roster. But for now, it's Metcalf and Lockett. I really love Metcalf. He's one of my favorite receivers. Um, I wanted, Why is that? <laughs> it's because uh, he's he's good at football. <laughs> he um, I wanted Buffalo to grab him in the first round last year with our pick that we had. Um, obviously, he fell to the second round, last pick of the second round, and Seattle I think got a steal there. Lockett has been very good. He was he was a nice number two when they had um, Baldwin there, and now he kind of moved into the number one role. Uh, he's He's always a sneaky play in 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 your fantasy drafts and uh, just getting him. He's he, he kind of goes under the radar too because like he is he's the number one on his team. But again, when you think of Seattle, you think of running running the football in a strong off or a strong defense. So you don't think about their wide receivers. DK Metcalf's name might pop up in there and you might grab him because you know who it is. But Tyler Lockett, he just kind of goes under the radar. But he's he's actually a really good receiver. Russell Wilson likes him. Um, I think he's going to have an even better year this year. And uh, along with DK Metcalf progressing, I think that this is a nice one-two punch, one of the top, top ten one-two punches, I would say, in the league. Yeah, they're definitely up there. DK Metcalf to me is very interesting. I've never heard still to this day, and I'm sure it's out there somewhere, but I'm not sure why he slipped that far. I remember seeing a lot of mocks. I don't know if you've heard this, but I saw a lot of mocks last year where he was supposed to be a first-round pick, and mm-hmm. he fell much further than people thought. Have you ever read anything as to why he fell? I think they just uh, – a lot of it was because of just – he only runs like a limited route tree. I mean, he's a big physical specimen. I mean, you see in the pictures, he, he walked into Pete Carroll's office shirtless. And I mean, you just, but he's, uh, he, he definitely shown that he's not, he's not just a one trick pony. Um, in the playoffs last year, he was, he was excellent. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, like even, even if he was just a one trick pony, you could learn routes. You could definitely learn yeah. routes. You could, if you got the right coaches. So just, you take a chance on a guy like this and, and obviously it worked out for Seattle so far. Yeah, I think it's interesting, according to the site that I use, his comparison in terms of his metrics is Andre Johnson. And I think that's actually a really uh, nice and intriguing. If he can become Andre Johnson, that would be a fantastic career. I'll talk about his fantasy relevance a little bit because, I mean, I guess I'm going to say I'm a little concerned because he's being hyped through the roof right now. I mean, I've seen him slip into the top 15 wide receivers drafted. And I mean, call me crazy, I guess I'm not that confident in him yet. And it's not his ability. I just, I don't know if I've seen enough of that yet. And I'll take him, uh, his overall ADP right now is 21st. So more of a back-end wide receiver too. I think that's much more fair for him. And that is assuming that this offense is going to be more pass-heavy. When you look at his rookie season last year, it was very solid. He had 900 yards, six touchdowns. Uh, From a fantasy perspective, he only averaged the 41st most points per game. He wasn't very consistent until he picked it up at the end, and really he picked it up more in the playoffs. Because even when you look at the last few weeks of the regular season, it wasn't anything impressive. And actually, in fact, week 16, he had zero catches. So uh, he's still working on that consistency. And to go along with that, I think one of the things that concerns me is he was one of the league leaders in drops last year. And he didn't. I mean, he had 100 targets, but he had a pretty high drop rate last year. So that's something to monitor. He's going to have to work on that a little bit. Um but he has a ton of ups. I like him more in dynasty leagues because I think that this is a guy, if he puts it all together, if he can have a more complete route tree, if he can, you know, 
I don't want to say get better hands because when you really look at it, very few guys improve in that department. And I've seen it over and over again where these big physical guys just struggle to catch the ball over the course of their career. So he might be one of those guys that never improves in that department. That's where I think him and Andre Johnson differ tremendously because Andre Johnson had incredible hands. But uh, we'll see. Uh, When you look at it last year, he only had three games as a wide receiver, too. So a lot of it, you're paying for potential. And if you have a team that's built where you can afford to take that chance on him earlier in a draft, I would take that chance. But I definitely am not taking him as your wide receiver one or anything crazy like that. If you go running back heavy like I do in the first few rounds, he's risky because he might be your first wide receiver. And this is a guy that could be very boomer bust. So uh, we'll see. I love his talent, but he's just got to put it all together. That's, uh, that's a fact of the matter right now with Tyler Lockett and I think he's really the only guy that's relevant here because we can talk about how they're more pass happy but how how many wide receivers fantasy wise can they really support I can't see them supporting more than Metcalf and Lockett who are both going to get over 100 targets this season so Lockett and I'm kind of in the minority here a lot of people think Lockett is disrespected in the fantasy community I actually think he's being drafted pretty fairly as of right now he's the 22nd wide receiver off the board And last season, he averaged the 22nd most points per game. So you really can't average it out any better than that. So I like where he's going. He's a guy that Russell Wilson does trust him when they need a big third down. He looks his way kind of under the radar. But Tyler Lockett led the NFL in red zone targets last year. He's not the biggest guy, but when Russell Wilson wants needs a touchdown, that's the direction he looks at. So uh, I like Lockett. I think he's fair value. A lot of people say he's slipping for no reason, but the reality is, is it's pretty fair for the production that he gives you. All right, going on to the tight ends. The uh, Seattle Seahawks are taking the Chicago Bears approach, and they got a bunch <laughs> of tight ends on their roster. They brought in Greg Olson this offseason. They got Will Disley, who's been injured uh, the past couple years. He's he's he hasn't finished uh, either of the past two seasons. They got Jacob Hollister, who was uh, kind of took over for Will Disley last year. They still have Luke Wilson, who seems like he's been around forever. They drafted Stephen Sullivan, uh, who was on the other side of Thad Moss for the LSU offense in the seventh round. They also drafted Kobe Parkinson, another rookie tight end that they got this year. So. I mean, just based on name alone, they got guys in this tight end room that, um, I mean, you you have to think that three to four of these guys are probably going to be gone, but it's it's which which two or three are going to be there still, and and are any of them going to be fantasy relevant? Greg Olson, probably his last couple of years, last last one year in the league here um, before he moves into the TV booth. So um, I'd imagine he's probably going to stick around. He might be the the best one on this team here uh, we've seen what he can do catching the ball we've seen that he can block he was one of cam newton's favorite targets um they brought him in here to seattle to not really help russell wilson doesn't really need help with uh growing or anything like that but just to be more of a another weapon for russell wilson but who's who's the second man up who's who's behind greg olson is it will disley um and are you trusting anybody from the tight end position here because we go back to previous episodes we've mentioned that this this tight end fantasy year is pretty deep no i'm not trusting any of them next (laughs) no no but yeah i mean really there's legitimately six names here and i will say the most confusing part of this tight end room for me 
are those two rookies. And that's what I just, I guess I really don't get it because Disley and Hollister have shown a lot of potential. And okay, you bring in Greg Olson, he's a veteran, maybe he shows the young guys, you know, how to be a successful tight end in this league. Okay, that makes sense. Luke Wilson has always been more of a second or third tight end option, probably an easy cut candidate at this point. But then, okay, so you think your room's full with Greg Olson, Will Disley, Hollister. That's arguably the best one through three tight end combination in the league, or, you know, at least top five, I'd say, in terms of, you know, a lot of teams have a strong one, too, but then how many teams have a relevant third guy? So then all of a sudden, Tampa. I mean, Tampa's (laughs) number one for sure. Uh, But then they have these guys, and then they draft. These aren't undrafted rookies that they brought in. They spent draft capital on bringing in Colby Parkinson and Steven Sullivan. And that just baffles me. I mean, they legitimately have six. Right now they have seven tight ends on the roster. Uh, but they have six guys who can all perform well. From a fantasy standpoint, it's a headache. I already mentioned, I don't know if their passing volume is going to be able to support a third option to where you're playing them in a fantasy league fantasy league and of course david moore greg olson disley hollister all these other names they'll have some targets but they're not going to be guys that you're going to want to play but i don't know who they cut because they didn't bring on greg olson to cut him they didn't draft two guys just to cut them immediately after so then you're looking probably luke wilson and then i guess you're going to have to pick either one or both of disley or hollister so it's a very confusing room right now and i don't want any part of it yeah, it's definitely confusing. I mean, it's one of those things where maybe during uh, there's a couple of weeks where we got six team bye weeks, six team bye weeks. I, I wanted to make sure I said that right. I did say it right. I don't know how it sounded. Um, that if you're looking and Seattle has maybe Greg Olson is on waivers, maybe you could pick him up. But it's you're not you're not starting one of these guys for for your whole season. Moving on to their special teams, their kicker, Jason Myers. He's a good kicker. Uh, they play up in the Northwest. Obviously, Seattle is known for all the rain that they get. Uh, it's an open-air stadium. They uh, obviously have games in San Francisco, which is warmer weather, Arizona, which is warmer weather slash dome, and now the new L.A. Rams stadium is going to be a dome. So their divisional games are in, in decent weather, but it, it's the Seattle games that might uh, – might have some pretty bad weather up there, but um, he's been, Jason Myers has been good. He's, uh, I'd, I don't know where I would put him. I'd probably put him right outside the top 12, not really as a, as a K1, if you want to call it. Um, probably not going to be drafting him in any leagues. Yeah, if you're in one of those very popular two kicker leagues, I think he's a high end <laughs> kicker too. A K2. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He, uh, last season, funny enough, was the 13th kicker in terms of scoring. So he's right on the border there. And you kind of hit on all the points already. Very solid offense. They know how to move the ball. But they're also very effective in the red zone. And he really isn't going to have many of those opportunities. I think Jason Myers is a league average kicker. And uh, he more, from a fantasy perspective, performs because of this offense, because of some favorable conditions outside of Seattle. So, you know, if you're in a... 14 team like maybe you draft him but besides that i'd probably let him just go to the waiver wire yep they're kicking punt returners um tyler lockett has been back there quite a bit he's uh he's especially back on the punt returns he's he's very elusive um as we've seen when he has the ball in his hands just on the offense so um if you do have tyler lockett on your team you got additional chances at getting some kick and punt return touchdowns i'm not even going to try to say the other guy's name 
Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you, can you uh, tell me by any chance who their backup punt returner is? I'm just curious. If you want to know who it is, just go, just uh, Google the 2019 Seattle Seahawks draft and look in the fourth round. Okay. Um, onto their defense, as we mentioned a couple times, it kind of, uh, it's it's not the same defense as it was before. That Legion of Boom is not there anymore, although they did add somebody that we're going to talk to or, or talk about i'd like to talk to him oh he's coming cool. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk about somebody that they just added within the past couple weeks um but just breaking down their their top guys here as far as idps go bruce Irvin, he's always one uh bobby wagner is probably the best one i mean this is this is probably in the entire league too he's he's you're, always a top five linebacker taken off the board usually people uh the first person that goes and takes a linebacker it, it tends to be pop uh bobby wagner or even the second guy like somebody will take a linebacker first and bobby wagner is the very next guy off the board so um he's he gets 150 tackles a year he could get to the quarterback he can play in coverage cover those tight ends he's just uh he's the do it all guy. KJ Wright is another one. They drafted Jordan Brooks in the first round here. Um, so I mean, just any one of their linebackers, just keep an eye on. Bobby Wagner obviously is the uh, is the main one, but um, definitely keep an eye on them. And then the guy that they just brought in via trade, Jamal Adams uh, from the strong safety position. He's, I mean, they might have one of the best linebackers in the league, and they they got probably the best safety in the league too. So this defense definitely is a little bit better than than what it was last year. Um, Jamal Adams is he's a he's definitely a guy that's to be targeted in IDP leagues. Um, obviously, if you're playing in defensive back leagues, he's he's the top guy there. But um, from the safety position, he gets tackles. He can get to the quarterback. He's like a linebacker playing that safety position, and it's just. I really don't have anything more to say about him. He's just if you have a chance to get him, grab him. I think I'll be the first person to say that I think the Legion of Boom is going to be back this season. And when I start looking at this defense, especially the cornerback position, which has been a position they've kind of struggled with ever since Richard Sherman has moved on and other guys from that Legion of Boom. But when you start to look at their corners, this is the I mean in terms of just their depth, it may be better than when they were in their prime a few years ago. Because look at Shaquille Griffin, who's really developed over the past few years. Trey Flowers. They brought in Quentin Dunbar from the Redskins, or I guess Washington football team now. He was on the Redskins, so I'm allowed to say that. He, uh, But he was really effective in Washington last season, and that was one of those underrated uh, acquisitions that I don't think people have talked about, but Dunbar in terms of his metrics was a top 20 corner last year. And looking right now, they have him listed as their third cornerback. Quandry Diggs, who they brought over from Detroit, also a really effective nickel corner. And then just to top it off, they brought in Jamal Adams. I mean, that just put the cherry on top of the Sunday for this offseason for them. That's a Cam Chancellor that they've been missing since Chancellor kind of took his nosedive and left. So I think the Legion of Boom is going to be back this season, which I don't like saying as a fan of another team in the <laughs> NFC West, but that's a reality. Pete Carroll knows how to build a team and knows how to coach a team. But in terms of the fan fantasy relevance here you mentioned Bruce Irvin already he's a guy he uh, finished 40th last season wasn't his best year he's kind of aging a little bit I personally he's still great at getting to the quarterback but me personally I'd rather take a younger upside option uh, in fantasy drafts 
Uh, you already mentioned Bobby Wagner. He's a top five option, no doubt. He finished as the third linebacker last year. It's really between him and Darius Leonard normally in terms of which linebacker goes off the board first in a lot of drafts. And you can't go wrong with it because you know you're getting production out of both of those guys. Uh, Bobby Wagner has done it a little longer. Bobby Wagner, I would say, is a no-doubt Hall of Famer at this point in his career. Another guy that you didn't really talk about much is K.J. Wright, who's one of their outside linebackers. And he actually finished as the 20th best IDP last season. And, I mean, it makes a lot of sense because Bobby Wagner's been so dominant. K.J. Wright's just kind of been in his shadow. And he's been a a top-end linebacker that nobody really talks about. And then if you're in a dynasty league, the last guy I'll mention, well, Jamal Adams too, but he's one of the best safeties in the league. You mentioned he does it all. He should be one of the top three DBs taken in every single fantasy draft. Uh, But Jordan Brooks is very intriguing to me. Uh, I know a lot of people were surprised by that pick in the draft. Nobody really had him graded out as a first round talent. A lot of people thought they were kind of content with Shaquem Griffin there. But they brought in Jordan Brooks, and if they are taking a chance on him in the first round, I think they have a lot of faith in him to step right into this linebacking core. So if you're in an IDP Dynasty League, I think he's a nice pick. I was in a very deep IDP Dynasty, and he was one of the last rookie linebackers, I will say top-end rookie linebackers that were taken. So he's very under the radar, but he, uh, he doesn't have a lot of pressure on him, so he should have every opportunity to succeed early on. All right, so our final thoughts on the Seahawks. If uh, if I'm grading it and I'm using Shaquem and Shaquille's Griffin's hands, I'll give it three thumbs up. Um, I think that uh, the Seahawks are going to end up taking over first in the NFC West. If you listen back to our our Cardinals podcast, I had... Um, I had the Cardinals kind of taking a step up and making one of those wild card spots that they got. They added a seventh one, so I actually have them going into second and the 49ers dropping down to third, which is, that's probably, I know you say a lot of a lot of shockers and, and first things, but that's probably my my shocker, right? The 49ers going down to third and missing the playoffs, taking a little bit of a step back there. Um but I got the Seahawks. I could see them at like eleven and five, twelve and four. It's going to be a tough division. I mean, even the even the Rams uh, being what would be fourth in the division for me, they could finish at eight and eight, seven and nine. So uh, just overall, it's a really tough division. They're a fun division to watch. Nice hard nosed football. Um, they these teams hate each other. I mean, even when <laughs> even when the the Cardinals were doing terrible and the Seahawks were Seahawks were the the better team in the division. Those even those two games were always close. Like the Cardinals would get the better the better of the Seahawks. So you can never count any of these guys out when it's, when they're against each other. Um, but yeah, I got the Seahawks winning this division. Yeah, it's always been one of the most fun divisions to watch. I even remember the one year the Rams went two and fourteen. And one of their wins was against the Seahawks, who I believe won the Super Bowl that year. And the other was against the 49ers, who were also very good. So no matter who's good or bad in this division, they're always tough games, which is nice to see. But, I mean, I think this is one of the only divisions in football where it wouldn't surprise me if every team had a winning record. As much as I don't think the Rams are going to be fantastic this year, they were 9-7 and seven last season, so it's not out of the realm of possibility that they finish in that range again. But, yeah, I mean, I think I already mentioned, I think the Legion of Boom is back. 
uh, for whatever reason, I, more people aren't talking about that because I think it's a big deal because I think they can be Super Bowl contenders. They have one of the best quarterbacks at the helm. They have a great secondary, a great linebacking core, great coaching. There's just everything you need to win a Super Bowl. So I would expect them to win the division this year. I don't have the 49ers falling as much as other people. And you're not the only one to say that they're uh, – I don't know if many people are saying they're going to slip the third – but I know a lot of people say that they're not a surefire playoff team. I mean, the 49ers, I think, are built really tough. And I, I don't expect them to win 13 games, but they're still a 10-win team that should be in the playoff conversation. And uh, I like the Cardinals. I've kind of gone back and forth in terms of if I want the Cardinals or 49ers in second. I can see it go either way. I really, the more I look at the Cardinals' defense, that's what it is for me. We expect that offense to be explosive. But, uh, I mean, they made a lot of improvements to that linebacking core, that defensive line, and that secondary. And I think those are the underrated transactions that they've had this offseason but really competitive division and I expect the Seahawks to throw their name in the ring for Super Bowl champs this year all right so that's the Seahawks and we'll see you guys next episode